0: to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, could, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Allison.
1: Um, That was a lot to read. It's a nice, long story, and I didn't want to miss any of it, so thank you for doing that for us. Um, Pam, who got up here and told us her generosity story and how her... um, how her life is overflowing, she always gets her hands into things to help other people. And right now, she is collecting public's gift cards for the families um, from the shooting, and she has a contact there that will deliver them, and she just reminded me that the funerals are beginning this week. Uh, If you would like to pick up a gift card from Publix and just leave it at the front office with Pam's name on it, she will um, get it to the people there. So thank you, Pam, for doing that. So um, let's pray. Gracious God, we pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts for a word that you might intend for each one of us on this day from the words just read and the words to come. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Lazarus is dead, not sleeping, not mostly dead. He's all the way dead. Did you ever see the movie The Princess Bride? It's like one, no? Have you guys ever seen that? It is like one of my favorite movies. It's a story about a farmhand named Wesley who is on a journey to rescue his true love, Princess Buttercup, from the odious Prince Humperdinck. At one point in this adventure, when Wesley's companions have rescued him from Humperdinck's henchmen, they're afraid that Wesley has died. So they take him to Mad Max, who is a folk healer that is played by Billy Crystal, who declares that Wesley is only mostly dead. So let's watch this clip.
0: look who knows so much, huh? Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Please open his mouth. Now, mostly dead is slightly alive. Now, all dead, well, with all dead, there's usually only one thing that you can do. What's that? Go through his clothes and look for loose change. so important. What you got here, that's worth living for. True love. True love, you heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, yes, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich when the <laughs> mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. <laughs> They're so perky, I love that. But that's not what he said. He distinctly said, to blave. And as we all know, to blave means to bluff. Huh? So you're probably playing cards. And he cheated. Fire! you just said i'm not even sure i want to be that anymore you never had it so good true love he said to love max don't say My another God. word valerie no. he's afraid ever since prince humperdinck fired him his confidence is shattered why'd you say that babe? you promised me that you would never say that name what company humperdinck, ha! humperdinck. Ha! Humperdink! Humperdink! Stiggen! Coming in, coming in, I'm not listening! Love lies expiring, and you don't have the decency <laughs> to say why you won't help! Nobody's <laughs> hearing nothing! Humperdink! This is Buttercup's true love. If you heal him, he will humperdinck. stop Humperdink's wedding. Shut up! Wait, wait. I make him better the Humperdink's office? Humiliations galore. <laughs> I did a licked alday nation! That is a noble cause.
1: That is a noble cause. That's great. So, Lazarus is all dead. And do you know how we know that? Well, let's dust off our King James version of the Bible and take a look at this story just a little bit more. Now, I don't use King James often, but I love the rendering of the raising of Lazarus. Jesus after weeping and being emotionally moved, commands those around him to open Lazarus' tomb. There's instant protest. Lazarus has been dead for a few days, and everyone knew that rolling away the stone would not be pretty. So now here's the King James Version. Martha calls out, But Lord, he stinketh. Stinketh! What a great word. I've been using it all week. I love that. You can imagine the odor, right? I mean, we've all had raw chicken in the refrigerator a few too many days. Or how about a dead rat in your attic? Have you ever experienced that? A few days in the attic at 150 degrees in the summertime, not enough to cook it, but just enough to make it stinketh a lot? Well, if you're wondering how Lazarus got into this condition, what happened was that he had gotten sick, like many of us do, and then Mary and Martha sent a message to their friend Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are probably Jesus' best friends, but Jesus didn't come right away when he he was called. He came too late, and Jesus died. Both sisters lamented, if only you had been here. On a courageous day, I would be saying, where the heck were you? And then on a normal day, I'd be saying the same thing, but I would be saying it under my breath. Whether aloud or under our breath, don't we find ourselves asking God from time to time, where the heck were you? Jesus told his disciples that Lazarus was dead. And only then does he decide to go to nearby Bethany. Jesus arrives on the fourth day, the day that is beyond all hope. All through scripture, the third day is the day that God acts. On the third day, God descends to Mount Sinai and reveals the Ten Commandments. On the third day, Joshua's spies emerge from hiding. On the third day, famine's end for King David and later for Elijah. On the third day, Jonah is expelled from the belly of the great fish. On the third day, Queen Esther ends her fast and approaches the king to save her people. On the third day, Jesus rose again from the dead. And when does Jesus mosey into town to see Lazarus? He arrives on the hopeless fourth day. The one who is the resurrection and the life is weeping for his dear friend Lazarus. This does not look good. This definitely does not look hopeful. Well, I would like to camp out just for a little bit in these feelings of hope and hopelessness to wonder together what we might learn from this seventh and final sign in the Gospel of John, which, of course, Jesus actually raises Lazarus from the dead. But Mary and Martha were expecting Jesus to come and heal their brother. So when he doesn't come in time and Lazarus dies, they are deep in their grief. The situation seemed hopeless. When life is going well, it's easy to feel hopeful, right? When we're healthy, when our kids and our grandkids are healthy and they're getting into good schools, when we have travel plans, a tea time, and a dinner reservation with a great early bird special. When life is good, it's easy to feel hopeful about today and the future. But what about when life stinketh? Just this week, right here in Florida, we all know that there was another shooting at a school where beautiful young teenagers had their lives brutally stolen from them. We have all endured broken relationships and betrayals from people who were supposed to be our friends. Many of us have been touched by cancer, either in ourselves or in those whom we love, or other illnesses and accidents and heartbreaks. It's in these moments of life when feelings of hopelessness can seep into our soul like a dense fog. In fact, I think it might be hopelessness that drives people to the rocky cliff in Sydney, Australia, known as the Gap. This is the most notorious suicide destination in all of Australia. Yet even in this desperate place, there is a bit of hope shining through a couple named Don and Moya Ritchie. The Ritchies have lived in a home near this suicide spot for almost 50 years. Every morning, Mr. Ritchie wakes up, looks out the window to see if anyone is standing alone too close to the edge of the cliff. If he senses that someone might be contemplating suicide, he slowly walks across the road to them. At the cliff edge, he would simply smile and ask them, can I help you in some way? More often than not, that quiet approach worked. Afterwards, he would invite them back to his house for a cup of tea and a chat. His ambition has always been to get them away from the edge, to buy them time, to give them the opportunity to reflect, the chance to realize that things just might look better the next morning. Mr. Ritchie said, never underestimate the power of a kind word and a smile. His calm voice and compassionate manner must have looked and sounded a bit like Jesus, a cup of hope. In Japanese, the word Nozomi means hope. On March 11, 2011, an earthquake that measured a nine on the Richter scale shook northeastern Japan, unleashing a savage tsunami. Thousands of homes were destroyed. More than 20,000 people lost their lives. Japanese and American Christians came to the devastated area to lend a hand and to help these people to begin to rebuild their lives. One day, as they were cleaning up a park, they started noticing all of these pieces of broken pottery from plates and from cups, and they wondered, what if we could make something beautiful from this devastation? The Nozomi Project was born. It's a faith-based social enterprise that brings sustainable income, community, dignity, and hope to the women in Ishinomaki, training them to craft high-quality jewelry products. Nozomi women have lost either their home or a member of their immediate family. Together, they are creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry featuring broken pieces of pottery that were left in the wake of that tsunami. I'm wearing a Nozomi piece of jewelry. Uh, It was given to me by a member of this congregation, which is how I even learned about the ministry. Along with their core value of generosity, they have chosen three words to describe the Nozomi project. Community, restoration, and hope, beauty from brokenness, shards of hope. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I promise to give you abundant life. Just follow me. And darn if Jesus didn't start walking to Jerusalem straight towards his death. By following Jesus, we are not spared from suffering. We join him in it which means that we're never alone. Martha encourages us to believe that God is the one who moves into the world with all of its darkness, brokenness, and grief. Martha reminds us that even in unanswered questions and unmet requests, we are not alone. It's like being stuck in Seoul, South Korea during the rainy monsoon season, day after day, Week after week, the same dreary gray skies, winds, and rain shroud that city. You can feel like the whole world is just closing in on you. But then, someone came up with a brilliant plan to infuse a bit of hope. They painted the streets with a special hydrochromatic paint that can only be seen when it's wet. When life feels its most gloomy, the streets are the most colorful, a splash of hope. Just as Mary and Martha showed us, even in our grief, we can still hope. The Apostle Paul reminds us, brothers and sisters in Christ, we do not grieve as others who do not have hope. Jesus does not promise physical life without physical death. He promises an experience of abundant life that swallows up the sting of death. We join the prophet Hosea when he says, "'Where, O death, is your victory? Where is your sting?' This does not mean that we won't have times or seasons that are especially challenging when our hope is running on empty, when we need our community of faith our tribe to hold us up, breathing hope back into our weary souls. If you're in that situation where life is feeling hopeless, I would encourage you to just ask God for the very thing that you most need. Ask God to renew you with a new dose of hope. You know, when we're sick, we take medicine to lessen the pain and to feel better. When four to six hours have passed, if we still have the symptoms, we take another dose of medicine. Well, likewise, I think we need to keep turning back to God to get another dose of hope. And I don't know about you, but I have found it helpful to stay open to God, reaching into our lives in a variety of ways, because we just aren't meant to do life alone. And God will stop at nothing to reach us. Anthony Britton is a magician who is attempting to mimic a buried alive stunt that Harry Houdini himself had tried but failed. Basically, for this stunt, you are buried beneath six feet of dirt. If that isn't bad enough, before they start dumping buckets of dirt on you, they handcuff your hands and shackle your feet. I can barely breathe just thinking about that. Well, just like Houdini, Anthony Britton was unable to dig his way out. He almost died, needing to be extricated from this grave and revived by paramedics. Here is Britton's account of that experience. To start off with, it's painful. There's no coffin there, there's no casket, nothing there to protect your body. I remember the first few buckets of soil hit me. It was a bit of a shock. Each bucket, they went on to you. Obviously, the crushing that's coming from the front, you know, underneath you, it's coming from the sides of you, it's on top of you. For some reason, I think the soil shifted or something, and I got my right arm trapped. It was trapped between my body and the actual soil itself. So at some point, it was, cranky. I can't move my right arm. Anyway, I felt myself going unconscious, and I was just trying to focus on, you've got to do this, you've got to escape the grave. But you know, it just got to the point where I had given it my entire best shot. I had nothing left in my body. I could feel myself going under. At that point, everyone knew exactly what to do, and they, his tribe, got to him as quick as they could. Anthony Britton couldn't escape his grave by himself any more than Lazarus could or than you can or than I can. Yet God does not leave us alone. God reaches us through music, through silence, through His Word. God reaches us through sunsets and birds singing, through dogs and even cats. And of course, God uses each one of us to reach out our hands in creativity and kindness to bring beauty out of brokenness to help dig our neighbor out of the rubble of life to show up to give a gentle smile a listening ear a cup of tea offering God's love and hope for all the times when life stinketh we pray with me Gracious God, we are so grateful that we are never alone. And Lord, we are thankful for this faith family and for all the people that you put in our path to care for us and to hold us up when we just can't stand alone. We pray, Lord, that you would use us in ways that you see fit, that we too might be offering bits of hope to people that come into our pathway.